0: The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson
1: Reuters.
0: There definitely was one person who, uh, a very seasoned publishing professional, she said, you know, I really love the writing here and I think it's a great topic and and story, but I'm going to have to say no. And I just wanted to tell you personally why. Hmm. She told me, it's my personal pet peeve when debut novelists always feel the need to write about their ethnicity.
1: Mm. (laughs) Wow. Yes. You can laugh now, I guess, but wow.
0: That was what she told me. And I did not tell her, but my pet peeve is uh, racism.
1: Hello, and welcome back to The Hearing, a legal podcast where we have insightful discussions with interesting people connected to the law. I'm your host, Jennifer Thibodeau, and today I get to sit down with Helen Wan. Helen is a lawyer, a speaker, and an author. Her debut novel, The Partner Track, was the inspiration for the hit Netflix show by the same name. The Partner Track follows a young Asian American woman as she navigates life as a senior associate at a large law firm. In today's episode, Helen and I discuss her track to becoming a lawyer and then an author. I found Helen to be so inspiring because it took her over a decade to write this novel, and she was a full-time lawyer at the time. This all started with her subway scribblings in a journal, observing and noting how her day went. And she reveals what her aha moment was that pushed her to actually finish this work as a novel and why this was an important story to be told from this protagonist's perspective. To that end, we explore the important themes in her work. Race, class, gender, the American dream, success, and ambition. We also get to hear about Helen's Cinderella moment of going to Hollywood and seeing her work on the small screen. Helen, much like her book, is clever, smart, and engaging, and as you'll hear, I waited a really long time to have this conversation with her, and it did not disappoint. Enjoy the episode. The Hearing. Hi, Helen, and welcome to The Hearing.
0: Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you.
1: I have to say, Helen, this is such a full circle moment for me, and I hope that you'll indulge me for a minute or two so I can explain to you and everyone listening why that's the case. Okay. All right. So here goes. On November 11th, 2014, and I confirmed the exact date on your website, I remembered the month and the year, you spoke at an event hosted by the New Jersey Women Lawyers Association. And I live in New Jersey, and I was very excited about this event because your debut novel, The Partner Track, had been out for about a year. And there was this crazy buzz about this book in the legal news, people I knew. And I was so excited to hear you speak and to learn about the book because I was also at that time one month out from my firm voting on my candidacy for partner. However, as these things go, something emergent hit my desk that afternoon and I ended up working late and missing the event. And I was so disappointed. I was planning to go with a friend and colleague at the firm who was also a lawyer, but she went and she asked you to sign a copy of your book for me. And she explained that I was on my own partner track to you. So you wrote in my book, which I'm holding in my hands, Dear Jen, here's to your success, XO, Helen. I read the book, I loved it, and I made partner a month later. But if you would have told me back in November 2014 that I would have the opportunity to speak with you one-on-one about this book and your career and how your life has changed since then? I never would have believed it. So this really is a full circle moment.
0: Oh my goodness! Wow, Jennifer, I had no—I, I, you know, I—I I remember signing your book. Actually, really oh my goodness! To, yes, that you told me this story. I—I I remember being at that event. It was a wonderful event. It's a wonderful group. Um, yes, of of lawyers, um, you know, here in New Jersey, and I remember. <laughs> <laughs> your friend walking up and saying actually you know she uh, um my friend uh, jennifer could not be here tonight but i know that she would love it if she could get a copy of your book um and could you please make it out to jennifer and i rem- <laughs> and i said well, well is, is she a lawyer as well and she said yes as a matter of fact she <laughs> is yes. and she's up for partner as a matter of fact and so i remember s- saying, oh okay yes i'd be happy to and i I can't believe that you yes. just held up that very copy of that book to me just now. Wow, thank yes. you for telling I, me this.
1: I have it. I know that no one else can see it right now except for us, but I've kept it all these years. And shout out to Kristen Sestowski for <laughs> making that happen. <laughs> Helen, there's so much that I want to chat with you about today. But what I'm really curious to start with is what made you go to law school?
0: Mm, that's an excellent question. Um, what made me go to law school in the first place was, um, well, I had, I uh, like many of my classmates, had gone, you know, straight through. So right after high school and and then um, college, um, took the LSAT and and made the decision to to go right away to grad school. And when I was a senior in, um, when I when I was a senior, trying to, I, I was a I was an english major i was trying to make some decisions about what what to do next and and i i knew that i wanted to work with words so i was passionate about the written word and um but i also was (laughs) a i guess risk averse enough person that it didn't that i I wasn't really thinking that oh i'm gonna move to i'm going to Move somewhere and, and 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 write for a living. <laughs> that mm. just wasn't really in the cards. And having grown up as the you know eldest child of first generation immigrant um, Asian American parents, um, I thought, okay, well, what is the sort of parent approved troika of careers? <laughs> you know, mm. perhaps law school, perhaps med school. I don't know, you, you know, business or accounting or in for engineering. Um, and well, I, the logic really was something like, oh, well, lawyers work with words, so let me try taking the, the LSAT. I took the LSAT. I you know did well enough. And the, I had gotten to I got to law schools, and um, I grew up in the Virginia suburbs of D.C. And so I picked UVA Law, and um, and I. You know, did not pass go. Did not pass two. You know, did not collect two hundred dollars. <laughs> I I went straight from, um, mm-hmm. graduating that May and started uh, in law school that you know that September.
1: I also went straight through from college to law school. Always wanted to be a lawyer, and I was really interested in your response. I was. Thinking you might say, Oh, well, I was debating being a writer, and I was then right. deciding to go to law school because I read somewhere maybe it was in your acknowledgments that you started writing short stories on a typewriter when you were an elementary school. I so it seems like you had the the writing bug uh, early on, yes. in fact,
0: that was that's the best um that's the best present as a that I ever received as a kid. Was that my parents got me from Sears, a manual typewriter, and on that thing I typed out so many mystery stories. Um, I wrote about a family of detectives, and and, um, yeah, so I did have the writing bug as a kid, and I don't really know why I never really, um, I never really pursued kind of you know writing novels or or seriously took that many creative writing workshops while while I was uh, in college.
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting that you eventually found yourself back as a writer. And who knows, maybe in the future, you will publish a series about uh, detective novels like <laughs> you were writing and started writing when you were younger. So you you go to law school, you graduate. And I understand that you know, you're at a mega firm, you're at a boutique firm, and then you go and house. Can you walk us through just a little bit of that journey?
0: Oh sure. Well, so you know, th- when it came time to do the the job search while in law school, um, and again, I had I had had zero expectations about law school or even lawyering itself. As a as a kid growing up, it wasn't. I, I wasn't one of I wasn't one of these lawyers who, you know, as a kid, I I knew right away. I, I was not a hey, I know I want to be Perry Mason, I know I want to be one of these folks on Law and Order, and that's where I'm headed, and that is exactly why I'm going to law school. No, it was more um, serendipitous, <laughs> my, mm. I guess you might say, my career journey. So OCI, the, the on-campus interview process, the on-campus recruiting process, right? back in those days, really kind of dominated the, the career search scene. Um, in on campus on law school campuses and i basically went to the occ the the office of career counseling and tried to speak with the folks there and said well what are some of the what are some of some perhaps alter you know alternatives (laughs) alternate paths if you're not really sure that the big law corporate type route uh is you know it is for me um and Unfortunately, back then, the answers weren't that, the options weren't <laughs> pointed out so clearly, you know, mm-hmm. um, literally there were some three ring binder notebooks, like wow, physical three ring binder notebooks. And this particular person that I um, spoke with sa- said, oh, well, you, c- you can check those out and but really, come on, hey, and, and they were looking at my, my, my CV, my resume, and my, um, and my grades, and how I was doing in law school, and he, he, and he pointed out, well, you know, look, you've got the goods, you've got the grades. If I were you, I, I would do the OCI, see where it leads you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I did so, and, and again, um, I interviewed, I did the callbacks, I did that whole, the, that whole process of rounds of interviews. Um and you know and, and again I got several I had several options and so I picked this one big law firm and there I landed again mm. that that fall right so I went directly through and so I landed, I found myself in the M and A group of a large big law firm in New York that fall
1: it's interesting you mention the questions that you asked around on-campus interviewing, as we call OCI here in the States, because I didn't even think to ask those questions like what alternatives were there until many years later after I had made partner and finally realized that this wasn't the route for me. So I give you credit for even asking those questions.
0: It's funny that you, that you say that now <laughs> to me because I um, have had the have had the opportunity now to be visiting many 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 different um law schools, you know, universities and and speaking with many groups of young lawyers um and current, you know, 1L's, 2L's, 3L's and let me tell you this is an impressive group. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who they 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 are so just much more uh, much more um astute, asking much 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 uh, more you know focused and specific questions about hey what is the kind of role where after graduation i will be happy what is the kind of work that i think will feel meaningful to me um and where i can stay the longest and thrive and be just feel (laughs) most fulfilled you know and um, I've really been impressed by that. I really wish that that I, and and I can only speak for myself, perhaps there were other law students of my cohort who were asking such, you know, uh, key questions, but I certainly was not, uh, I certainly was not um, aware enough about the, about the various challenges that that you face in your first (laughs) early steps of your career to be asking all of these questions that the students that I'm meeting are asking now about their career journeys.
1: They certainly seem to have much more intentionality and and might realize at a sooner stage in their career that you really are uh, the steward of your own career and the the captain of your own ship. And I don't think I knew that until much later. Mm -hmm. Helen, you you also mentioned that, you know, there was a bit of serendipity with things for you. You didn't really uh, want to be a, a lawyer growing up and you found yourself really at this big firm doing corporate M&A so yeah. what is that like for for someone in your position who you know didn't grow up thinking I want to be a lawyer and then decide in law school oh I'm, I'm going to do corporate you know M&A when you went to law school because you you just like loved words like you said and were an English major how does that feel
0: well and so just to be clear I didn't really feel like I chose M&A group you know okay. M&A group but that was where at that time it was really more um you know firms were were staffing these new attorneys um where the bodies were needed basically mm-hmm. and at that particular time not to date myself but it was it was really very much um and M- M&A was booming, you know, the, these departments were growing. Got it. And um, so I got assigned there. And so that's where I started. Um, and so just like Ingrid, the protagonist of the partner track, mm-hmm. uh, she started off um, in corporate M&A. But unlike Ingrid, I only stayed <laughs> in my big law firm for about, you know, under two years before segue, before deciding to leave in order to join a um, smaller, you know, media and, inter- and intellectual property boutique firm.
1: So that's really a great segue to the partner track, which is, of course, a, a work of fiction. But like you said, mm-hmm. you know, there are some commonalities between you and Ingrid. Can you t- just summarize the book without, I guess, spoiling it? Tell us what it's about for those who haven't read it.
0: Oh, sure. So uh, no spoilers, but it chronicles the experience of a young Asian-American female lawyer who has landed landed at this prestigious elite global law firm in, in New York um, in the mergers and acquisitions department. Um, and she is up for partner and it follows the, the time leading right up before her partnership vote. And it follows not not just her her journey, not just the experience of a woman of color, but that of a whole of a cast of characters um, who have decided to stay at the firm, who are up for partner, and who are competing against one another in this very rarefied um, and alien to some of them corporate culture at this big law firm.
1: So this book totally. Resonated with me just as a woman on the partnership track. I'm not right. a, a woman of color. I'm wondering how much of your own experience is woven into this book. Again, a work of fiction, but there are those commonalities.
0: Yes, it's definitely a novel. Um, it's definitely a novel, but it did start as my subway scribblings to and from mm. my way to work. Mm. So, and I, I did, again, I did not set out to write To write a novel but but i was observing certain things happening um that first year when i started off as a young lawyer and anything that was interesting to me any any observation or anecdote i would just scribble them down in my journal literally my my journal scribblings to and from my way you know to the office um it was my creative outlet it was sort of like my stress-busting activity <laughs> because we were working such long and demanding hours and um, and soon I had collected enough pages of my, you know, little observations of, of New York and of law firm life and just mm. um, just interesting characters that that I started showing them to friends, to some trusted friends. Mm. And some of them were also lawyers, you know, like law school classmates, et cetera, but not all. Some of them were in other demanding jobs. Some of them were, I don't know, you know, uh, or had you know, pursued med school or management consulting or something similar mm. and were in other cities. But all of them said, oh, my goodness, I, you never see stories like this being told. Maybe you should try and, and get some of these published somewhere. And of course, I knew I first of all, I was so exhausted because I was working 80 <laughs> <these> hour <laughs> right. crazy work weeks. But also, I just didn't know the first thing about how to get stuff published. So, um, yeah. and And so really, it had started off as my little observations about work life, about corporate culture. Um, but when I had enough pages to show people, I started sending them, sending some of the pages out to agents. Um, and again, didn't know the first thing about how to get in a literary agent. So <laughs> I literally went to a, a brick and mortar bookstore to their, hey, how to get published section of books and bought myself one of those um how to get your first book published for dummies guidebooks wow. <laughs> and I followed the instructions and lo and behold I actually got offers of representation by sending <laughs> cold pages over the transom to two folks and wow. and then and so I did get uh offers of you know literary representation that way
1: so this is really fascinating. Beginning with you know your subway scribblings, as you call them, to you putting on your lawyer hat and doing the research and going to find a book <laughs> yeah, on how to true. actually get published. It's very much a lawyer move. So true. these these scribblings that you have, you said you would kind of write down the things that you observed happening during the the day. Did it start? And I might have misunderstood what you said as almost short stories. It said like it sounded like you were writing stories.
0: Yes, they were I would say that the bulk of that were just just my observations around town in my travels around town, you know going out with a group of coworkers to grab lunch hmm. sidewalk you know the 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 sidewalk vendors the the food food trusts outside our office buildings um things like that, and i would they so they were sketches they were anecdotes sketches um character you know character sketches if something interesting or unusual happened on a conference call or during a meeting mm. I would sketch those down <laughs> and um and and that those pages eventually became my novel the partner of trap so
1: okay so I read somewhere that you attended an event at which Anna Quinlan spoke and that <laughs> yeah. was a big motivator for you to actually... Push forward and, and finish the book and and get it published. Can you both talk about what she said, you know, what that motivated um, event was, and how long this process took you from start to finish?
0: Sure. I know exactly what the aha moment was when I decided, hey, I'm going to really try to finish this thing as a book. I'm really, really going to try to finish this writing project um, and Oh, and ironically, it was a women's networking um, alumni event that was hosted by my f- first law firm. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, yeah, it was full hosted circle. by <laughs> right again another full circle moment, I guess. So, so they were having, um, you know, they were having this this alumni event, and it was in Midtown, so not far from my office, from my my actual office, and a bunch of us. That it, I'm, I'm lucky that I have kept in touch with the, um, my, you know, my my cohort from everywhere I've worked, and this group. Is, you know, someone sent around an email like late in the afternoon saying, "Hey, what's going on? Are you are you looking okay still to attend this event? Can people get out of work and 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 meet there?" Um, and I almost didn't go because I had a deadline.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so, familiar, uh,
0: right? So I almost missed the event because I said, "Oh, I really want to go because you know Anna Quinlan is going to be the mm-hmm. is going to be the headline the, is going to be speaking there, and I, I'm a fan of her work." Um, and then enough of us oh, now let's 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 make this work. We haven't seen each other in a long time. It'll be you know an mm-hmm. easy way to catch up. And so I did end up going, and it was packed. I remember it was a really successful event. It was it was it was a lovely evening, and. I was standing in the back of the room and I'm really, really short. So I couldn't really, even, <laughs> you know, see, there are so many like, taller heads in, in front of me. But but when she spoke, she was speaking about um, a lot of things that people still speak about at these events today, right? Like balancing work, life, mm-hmm. writing, mm-hmm. Um, family responsibilities, et cetera. And um, then at the end of her remarks, someone raised their hand and said, well, well, what advice would you have for a lawyer who may have some you know, creative aspirations or may want to have a, a creative side, side hustle of her own? Mm-hmm. And she responded to the gist of, um, well, the best advice that I could give to any aspiring writer, lawyer or not, is make sure you want to write and not just to have written. And it just really, that was it. I, and I just thought to myself, "Aha, uh-huh. yes, mm. she's absolutely correct." Don't just talk about wanting to be a writer, wanting to have ha, you know, to have a novel done, etc. Well, kind of, you know, get in that chair and write. Then, <laughs> what's her and, message? And that's
1: what you did then to really so make it happen. I,
0: and so that's what happened. Is that I. I thought, okay, enough enough thinking about it, trying to plan for it <laughs> or you know mm-hmm. plan for a time when I can write mm-hmm. no you if you want to be a writer, then you've got you're the only one who can make it happen. Mm. so her message was start thinking about it like a real thing, mm. as opposed to some sort of pie in the sky you know pipe dream, and so I did that. I went home and I First of all, I, first of all, actually, I pulled out my manuscript. It was still there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still liked it, and it was still mm-hmm. an important story to get out there. Um, and so the next thing I did was I just researched some fiction writing workshops around town, and luckily there are plenty of them in New York City where I was living at the sure. time. Sure. So, so I researched them and I signed myself up for one, like very quickly, like two wow. weeks after that event or so, and I started going. And again, because I am a someone trained as a lawyer, <laughs> you can bet that if there were deadlines, pages due, <laughs> an right. assignment, you know, you a it. deadline for me to meet, I would meet it. And I did. And that's how I started generating new pages and um, started started treating it like a real thing, thinking of it as a real thing that, oh, no, I have a book. I am working on my book. And it's not something that that is kind of um you know, you know, last priority. No, I, I kind of shifted it forward. It's going to be one of my first priorities. And that's when the pages started coming at a faster pace, and soon I had enough to really show to um, uh, you know, to an agent and uh, and then, and then only twelve years later, <laughs> twelve years later, it, it it was published. Wow. The hearing.
1: You're an attorney with a passion to perform, a drive to be absolutely on your game, with superior resources, serious preparation, and total confidence. Be your best with Thomson Reuters Practical Law. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover to the heart of US politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. You mentioned just now that this was an important story to get out there. and. This is kind of what I wanted to talk about because, you know, you you started with these Subway scribblings and you wove together this really fast paced novel, I will say, that hits on such important themes. And I've read the book twice now, first, you know, back in November, December 2014, and then more recently to refresh my recollection for our conversation today. And I had remembered the themes of, you know, women of color on the partner track, women in the profession, race, the American dream. But there's just so much more here about success and ambition and uh, being authentic versus assimilating at a law firm. Can you right. talk about those themes and why this really is, as you said, such an important story to be told?
0: Right. I. Well, they always tell an aspiring um novelist to write the book that you wish you could read Mm. you know or, or well write what you know and also try to write the book that you wish you could read that you could find on the bookstore shelves yourself and so I tried to do that I just wasn't seeing any stories being written or published certainly about this experience of feeling like such a You know, such a fish out of water, such an outsider in this clubby, very, very, um, very, very, in many ways, complex corporate culture where it's very important to to be an insider and also to project the fact that you are an -hmm. insider.
1: Mm -hmm. So as you're writing this book that, you know, you'd want to read that you wish had been written for you, maybe. Did you think at the time it was going to be as successful, as wildly successful as it's been, particularly since I know that law firms and maybe other groups use this as almost like a DE&I training type book? You know, <laughs> it, it's so much. It's a novel. Um, it's, it's, it's a masterclass on on big law in a way. D- <laughs> did you think it would end up the way that it has?
0: Uh No. <laughs> honestly no never in my wildest dreams would I have predicted that any of this would happen a Netflix show or right. the fact that just the, the word of mouth buzz mm-hmm. um, not just from lawyer to lawyer or or you know women readers or 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 the Asian American community or or what have you um, but just the fact that the story seems to have resonated with so many People just about their own <laughs> work lives or personal kind of um, struggles with what with what ambition or success really mm-hmm. means personally right. and professionally to them. Um, yeah, no, no, I I, w- I certainly would not have predicted that. I was really just trying to write to, to write um, my just a portrait of my experience of this very very alien culture or what I experienced as a very very alien culture to me. And by the way, thank you, Jennifer, for calling it um, wildly successful. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, by all means, it is wildly successful. And I definitely want to get to the the Netflix show for a bit as well. But it's interesting as well for me to hear that so many people, unexpectedly, I guess, in your opinion, had the book resonate with them, because one thing I think the book is great at one of many things is the message that you can't make assumptions about other people and right. not giving yes. away anything really big here when I say that you know Ingrid has assumptions as a, a Chinese American lawyer about the white men around her and it turns out that this one mm-hmm. person in particular right is not as she assumed you know privilege and upper class and really had to 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 find his own way at the firm like her even though she assumed otherwise so the whole concept i guess of staying curious and not making assumptions is is important
0: yes i I, that's very important that theme is very important to me and it's something that i write about in um in my nonfiction work as well um and as you know sometimes life imitates art and (laughs) and of Mm -hmm. course vice versa um and i've I have heard over the I've been fortunate to hear from so many really kind and candid readers and also viewers over the years and mm-hmm. at at first when the book was published I was very very surprised when I would hear from um some senior let's say some senior white male partners who were chairmen chairmen of um very large Boston or DC or New York firms and say, "Hey, thank you for writing this book. It really resonated with me, and I have told every lawyer I know about it, etc." Mm. And I, and some I would write back and say, "Thank you so much for. I, I really appreciate your sharing that with me. And do you mind? I'm just curious. Do you mind my asking what aspect of this <laughs> right. of this um book?" What aspect of this story resonated most with you? And people would tell me, and sometimes these folks would 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 tell me, "Oh, the firm outing scene."
1: Ah, yes.
0: The firm outing scene, which was interesting to me because I, <laughs> um, that actually was the most fun chapter for me to write of the whole it's book.
1: It's very clever <laughs> and very um, uh, powerful as well.
0: Uh, thank you, but but. N- the people would point out that particular scene, and one person whose email I think I saved actually is is it somewhere is said, um, "Oh, that resonated with me because I didn't grow up knowing how to do any of these things: sail, play golf. No, right?" He said, "I." He said, "I put myself through Harvard Law School by driving a taxi cab." Wow! And so it really resonated with me because when I, um, oh, and and he. He said, so I graduated, I, I was on a law review, et cetera. And then when I got to my first firm, he said, I totally felt like fish out of water. Talk mm-hmm. about, <laughs> he, he, he I felt so, it was so alien to me. I felt like such an outsider. Uh, he said, I've never liked those firm outings. And when I became chairman, I put a stop to them. So we stopped doing the golf outing every summer. Wow, (laughs) he shared that with me, and I it was. Wow, I'm really glad he did. You know,
1: wow. Well, thank you for sharing that now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I was. Whenever you hear from readers like that, who are so you know who have who really tell you, well, the reason why this personally resonated uh, with me is this. It just means a lot for every writer I know. That's why we write. (laughs) That's why we do it. So
1: right. Helen, we, we talked about, you know, the, the themes in this book, but I do want to make sure I impress that this book is funny, too. Um, oh, thank I you. think it's really impressive Hope that you so. wove this story together and that there's humor in it. Now let's shift gears and talk about the book on Netflix. So the book was the inspiration for Partner Track, which was a Netflix top 10 hit last year. How did it feel? And I know the story changed a little bit, right? To see Ingrid and your work on the small screen.
0: Yes, it was it was amazing. And again, a Cinderella, total Cinderella at the ball moment. I would never, never, never have been able to have be predicted that anything like that would happen. And when I got that magical phone call from my from my agent Josh, mm. he he said, "Okay." You know, he he literally said, "Are you sitting down?" And, and he said, "And the, I have some good news, which is that I believe that um, that it will be green greenlit. I, I really do believe that Netflix is interested in in making this. And and of course, obviously, these past few years have been challenging for every
1: mm-hmm.
0: a sector of me, of not just media, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: just every every everyone everyone that I know." You know, during during the COVID times, Um, so there were lots of stops and starts, and some, and and slowdowns, etc. But but ultimately, all the stars did align, and I feel so grateful that, um, yeah, that that I got to attend the LA premiere of
1: amazing (laughs) a partner
0: track. Yeah, it it was such amazing. It was such a wonderful experience, and I got to meet. I got to. I got to um be on set and see some of the some of the show being shot actually not far from my old office as a matter of fact it was shot wow. in new york not far from my actual office um and and me- and I got to meet the wonderful cast and crew every single person that I got to meet was so just wonderful and took the time to come up to me introduce themselves a- a- and say hey i just want you to know that when I was reading through both, the, you know, the, the book and the, and the script, that it was important to me to get this particular role because of this, for this personal reason. And, and wow. I thought that was, it, it just has been, it, it just has been a wonderful experience.
1: That's really incredible. Congratulations on all of your success around this book. It's incredible to think that you know something you started doing in your spare time over the course of a decade ended up being you know a top ten Netflix hit. Not only this, you know, amazing, you know, wildly successful book. So let me ask you the question that sounds like um, you know you heard Anna Quinlan answer, which is. What is the advice that you would have for someone who really does have creative aspirations or wants to pursue a side hustle? Because, you know, I personally know quite a few lawyers who have said, oh, I want to write a book. You know, it's a John Grisham style thriller or it's a memoir. What would you tell that person?
0: I, I would tell that person, do not hesitate. Run, don't walk to the nearest um whether it's taking a writing workshop, whether it's uh, putting together a writing a community of of fellow um, novelists or journalists or uh, people who are at work on a on a new uh, project, just because I really wish I had not wasted so much time spinning my wheels and saying, "Oh, I don't know," <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if i if I've got what it takes to to finish a. A book length manuscript, or when would I, when would I have time to to edit, 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 and and work on the revisions? Just do it, and I, I just really wish that I had um kind of really jump started that project much much sooner, and just taken it more seriously as a as not just a oh if i have time this weekend and my hobby i'll 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 do it no and just treat it like a a priority it, um when i speak with fellow uh lawyers or law students who are interested in in writing um, in, in creative writing and they ask well well how do you do that and i just tell them um treat it like a like a client, a client. mhm <laughs> You know, a client meeting or a dentist appointment or or a doctor appointment, you wouldn't simply cancel it for no reason, right? Treat it like that. You put it in your calendar and then you, you, you treat it. You treat that time as um, as non negotiable. <laughs> you know, whether whatever it is, whatever your 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 personal life situation is, that, that hey, no, that's mommy's writing time, so right. we cannot do that. That, but okay. Um, and, and soon, if you're, if you're really working at it that way and setting your own goals or setting your own deadlines or whatever works for you, um, those pages start piling up. And then pretty soon you've, you do have something to edit or to work on <laughs> revising and you do have something to start showing people
1: one reason i think that's such terrific advice is because earlier you were saying when you had your aha moment you had before that tried to plan to write like when, when am i going to write when am i gonna make this happen and that really resonated with me i'm a planner i think many lawyers are and you yes. might tend to you know you put yourself second third fourth fifth when you're actually planning and balancing a full workload and life and family responsibilities so I like that it's just kind of get started and just do it <laughs> and treat it treat it just as you would anything else because if you plan for it um, right. or think you're gonna have a time to plan for it it's it's just not gonna happen
0: right um, I I've been fortunate to have to have a lot of um, you know great mentors over the years both lawyers and writers and one excellent piece of of advice I had gotten from a writing instructor. Actually, from the ninety second Street Y, I believe it was, um, had said, you know, I used to, <laughs> I used to think that I couldn't write un- unless and until all the circumstances around me were going to be perfect. You know, like mm. I have my little my co- uh, my perfect cup of you know <laughs> coffee here, everything, all peace and quiet, all around, nothing mm-hmm. going on that whole you know morning. No just 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 sit down and do it yeah right your surroundings are never going to be the timing and your surroundings Mm -hmm. and the circumstances are never gonna be perfect right so don't wait around for that because that that won't happen so you just gotta kind of get yourself in that get your butt in the chair and start start it's
1: like don't let perfect be the enemy of the good in a way right exactly so the partner track is coming up on its ten-year anniversary, and I'm curious to hear how your life has changed since this debut novel, uh, the show. Are you practicing law? What What are you doing now? What Where are you?
0: <laughs> I'm I'm really lucky to be to be working full time on trying to finish um, my new book. Wow! So hopefully, okay. that will, so that's in the works, and hopefully that will um you know it happened d- d- very soon and there're just a lot of a- of story ideas that that I'm very excited about but trying to finish up this one particular um new novel manuscript um and also with the popularity of the sh- of the show on Netflix I've I've been um I've been traveling traveling a lot and doing a lot of DEI um speaking engagements and and consulting, and just luck feeling very, very fortunate to be meeting with a lot of not just lawyer audiences but just people who are, of course, now it, it's now suddenly talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion in workplaces is in
1: right suddenly race
0: is in now, right. It's okay to talk about race. and so, um yes, as you as you mentioned, n- oftentimes. My book is used in those internal conversations and trainings and um, seminars on on the subject. And um, yeah, so i'm I'm on a hiatus from full-time lawyering right now and hoping to to uh, finish this my current project and also um, looking forward, have a lot more um, opportunities to meet with many more audiences about this topic.
1: So your response reminded me of a question that I wanted to ask, and I really only have, I think, one other question to ask you after this, which is when you wrote this book that you would want to read, mm-hmm. it strikes me that there really weren't, to my knowledge, many novels at the time that have this, you know, Chinese American protagonist who is a woman on the partner track at a law firm. Did you get pushback for trying to tell? This story because it's it's like a John Grisham book, but it but it's not in a way it's kind of its own thing.
0: Yes, absolutely. It took a long time to find the right editor and to find the right you know publisher for this story. It, it wasn't you, you use the word pushback, and I won't say that it was pushback, but mm. it truly was. I think just a question that people wanted to ask me is well what bucket is this mm-hmm. what bucket would this fall into right would this mm-hmm. be are you trying to write like a um like a david baldacci or a john john grisham right. or a scott tarot mm-hmm. type novel a legal a thriller legal no, um, novel or are you trying to be amy tan which mm. is it or, wow. or which, which bucket is it trying to <laughs> you know, fall into. I got asked that question so many times. I was, um, almost at every meeting, and they said we we would really love to do this. Hmm. We would really love to do this book, um, but we just want to know wh- who is it targeted toward. How do we? How would we market this? Which bucket does it fall into? Um, and I just I just thought well. Why does it have to necessarily fall into any established bucket? <laughs> right.
1: I'm just right. trying to
0: do my own thing, you know, something new and different. Yeah. Um, and and so, yes, there there definitely was one person who uh, a very seasoned publishing professional who. Told me that um, she said, you know, I really love the writing here and I think it's a great topic and and story, um, but I'm going to have to say no And I just wanted to tell you personally why Um, Mm. she said she told me it's my personal pet peeve when um, debut novelists always feel the need to write about their ethnicity.
1: Mm. (laughs) Wow. Yes. You can laugh now, I guess. But wow. That was what she told me. And Mm. I
0: did not tell her. But my pet peeve is uh, racism.
1: That's an amazing answer. Yeah. Right. Right
0: yeah so we didn't work together but
1: well let me say this to me is another parallel perhaps between you and Ingrid the protagonist because I guess it might have been easy for you and in one alternate reality to say oh you know what I am going to change this and make this more of like your traditional legal thriller because that's what you know these publishers want but as you said, there was an important story to be held here, and you stuck to your guns, and that's about integrity. And without giving away, you know, the ending of the book, I think that's a big part of who Ingrid is: is her integrity and actually being herself and defining success on her own terms. So oh. that's a parallel.
0: Well, no, thank you for thank you for that compliment. And by the way, I wanted I want to be clear: I love legal thrillers. I love, (laughs) I love reading. (laughs) We all do, yes. Yeah, they are all, all of those authors that I I just named are are my, some of my favorite, you know, authors uh, who have written some of my favorite books. Um, But at many of these meetings with, with publishers, they, uh, one person actually really did say, oh, would you be amenable to changing the race of the protagonist to making Mm. Ingrid um, a blonde woman? Wow. (laughs) So that's what I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's what I mean about you you doing this on your own terms and telling this story. <laughs> so, Helen, I think the last question I'd like to ask you is is with this, you know, pivot in your career to being a full-time writer, getting out there and speaking and doing work in the DEI space now, what excites you the most at this point in your life?
0: Oh. What I am most motivated by and inspired by are meeting these groups of not just lawyers but but people who are who are really asking the right the right questions about mm. what is it what is a workplace culture where I will be feel fulfilled and happy and be able to um you know just go to work just go to work every morning feeling like I am doing meaningful work that is important to me, that utilizes my talents and skills um, in the best and most effective way. Um, People are asking those questions about a workplace and a culture before they um, take a job or take an interview or uh, follow any particular career path. And so I guess that is what what inspires and excites me most.
1: And we started with a full circle moment, and I'll end with one because it seems that your book has very much been a part of the reason why I think people, law students, lawyers, non-lawyers, are indeed asking that question and so, being intentional.
0: Well, thank you very much, Jennifer.
1: This it's been it's
0: been a pl- yeah it's just a pleasure chatting chatting with you and others who are. Um, Focusing on workplace happiness and just happiness, just the pursuit of happiness in general.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being a guest today on The Hearing, Helen. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you finally after all these years.
0: (laughs) Thank you. It's a real pleasure to meet you as well. The Hearing.
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Hearing. Before you go, please consider leaving us a review or subscribing to the podcast. This way you'll be notified each time a new episode drops. We'd also love to hear from you. If you have feedback on an episode or ideas for future guests, please drop us a line at thehearing at tr.com. That's thehearing at tr.com. Until next time. The Hearing, a legal podcast from Thomson Reuters. To find out more, go to tr.com forward slash thehearing or subscribe via iTunes, Spotify,
0: or wherever you get your podcasts.